Hey friends, Daniel here. Thanks so much for joining us for what's kind of becoming our little holiday tradition around here. The Best Of series, uh, specifically Best Of Season 3 this time, or as we like to call it, The Best TT of STT. A special huge thank you to uh, Basic Strawberry over on the STT Discord. Uh, be sure to join if you haven't already. A lot of fun going on over there. Uh, without whom this episode literally would not be possible could not have done this episode without them so thank you to basic strawberry over on the discord uh 2022 has been an amazing year for us and it's in no small part due to all of your support uh with your help we've made it all the way to the doorstep of season eight uh interviewed four yes four main cast members this year along with a bunch of other really fun interviews uh, and smashed a ton of personal milestones along the way. I am continually blown away by the support that we've received from uh, you know, each and every one of you and from all of the amazing cast and crew people that we've been lucky enough to chat with. Uh, this continues to just be an amazing ride and a really fun project and one that I don't think any of us could have uh, predicted would turn out this way. So thank you just to everyone who has taken even one episode to listen uh even once it, it means the world to us uh if you're listening to this episode over on the patreon side an extra special thank you is due to you uh for your continued support and uh we hope that we've made it worth the investment uh we tried to it's very important to us to try to make sure that we give everybody uh the most bang for their buck possible uh we know that it's especially in in times like these it is um a huge vote of confidence for anybody to put up any amount of money, even something like $5 a month. It really feels like a, a vote of confidence in what we're doing. And, you know, we want to make sure that we reward that faith uh, every month. So thank you so much for your continued support over there. Uh, if you're not a patron and you'd like to become one, uh, simply head on over to patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast. Uh, for only $5 a month, you get access to bonus episodes, full length season uh, wrap up episodes, some new sticker designs, and a whole heck of a lot more. Uh, it helps support the show, and it maybe gets you a little little bit of extra STT in your ears every month. You want, you want more than just what you get every Thursday morning? Toss five bucks our way. We'll make it worth your while. So with the plugs out of the way, on behalf of Lauren, Lizzie, myself, Jake, Nurse Jen, all the other members of the extended STT family, want to take the opportunity to wish everybody listening a safe, happy, healthy holiday season, and best wishes for 2023. Now let's settle in for the best TT of STT, season three. He's reacclimating to his surroundings. His new surroundings, because we do have an ER layout change. Did either one of you notice this? Not no. a bit. So he comes out of the lounge, and the lounge on the interior looks pretty much the same. But when he actually walks out of the lounge, he comes out of the door that, as of up until now, has been radiology. Oh um, yeah. And the so if you're looking at the ambulance bay doors from 
Jerry's position at the desk. If you're looking at the ambulance bay doors from there, the left-hand door has, up till now, the left-hand door has always been radiology, and the right-hand door has always been the lounge. Um, as of now, the left-hand door is the lounge, and the right-hand uh, door is gone and has been opened up into the waiting area. So the waiting area has now occupied the physical space that used to be the lounge. Huh. No one makes mention of this. No one makes note of this. It's just... This is the new, and this happens a few times throughout the course of the series, and sometimes it, it is given storyline significance, and other times it's not. Sometimes things just move around, and this is one of those times where things just move around, and they're never going to call attention to it. But it's one of those things, if, you, if you're looking for it, you'll see it quite clearly. I think it's just an oopsie on the writing team's part, not taking the, the month and a half break into account. And they're also probably just trying to get the audience caught up. Yeah, Probably. that's so. most likely what it is. They're not expecting anybody's going to care about the minutia. Except, for, except for three losers and 24 years later who are doing a show about it. Hey, we're wonderful people. Thank you very much. Yeah, but they might not think so at the time. They're, anybody that would sit and record about their show for an hour each week back in the 90s, they would have been like, who has time to do that? Just a bunch of weebs. Hey, Jeannie thinks we're nice. Jeannie does think we're nice. <laughs> One thing I forgot to mention earlier, uh, especially it was just a funny little like Carter moment was uh, when they're they're doing the the surgical uh, resident is doing his little speech about Benton, how he's Beelzebub and Lucifer and everything. The whole time he's doing that little speech, he, the camera is panning over the horrified looks of all of the new medical students. And Carter is standing in the back and he's just nodding his head like he's agreeing <laughs> with everything he's saying. He's like, yeah, no, that's right. Like, it's just a very, it's a very subtle Carter touch, and it was very, very good. I like, wanted to make sure I mentioned that. And then we get Susan talking to Mark about different, what we think are timeshare options and vacations, just all these different um, island and Carib like Caribbean destinations. No yeah, context so at all. And then Susan asks him, uh, asks Mark, have you ever been to Hawaii? Uh, too soon, in retrospect. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, and then I also want to note that, like, it's it's strange that she asks that because, um, didn't Mark, like, at some point spend time in Hawaii with his dad, like, on, on the na yeah, naval he was, base? he was raised partially yeah. on, in Hawaii. That's so, when, yeah. in the saddest episode ever. <sighs> but yeah, so, good catch, Daniel. Good catch. Sorry, yeah. the way you had framed it earlier, Daniel, it made it sounded like you had said they set her up to be unlikable here, and that's why. No, I no, 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 no. Actually, no. What I was saying here was that actually they've set her up to be very likable and interesting, and and I'm interested to see where the story goes with the two of them because they seem to have such kind of smoldering gotcha. chemistry between the two of them. Well, uh, then I just can't fucking hear right. Okay, that's <laughs> all good. It's all good. But the but the but the best part about her as a character is she gives us Reese and yes. Reese is absolutely adorable and one of the best things ever when he's, and, when he's interacting with Benton. And he even gives some great character moments to some other assholes that yeah. we don't typically mm -hmm. like, or that tend to be raw characters. So yeah. Reese Reese is a godsend in this show, and I'm so excited for little baby Reese to show up. Carol says you left your boombox at my house and. Shep says, oh, it's okay. You know, I bought a new one, but where my, what was it? Con Conway, Conway Twitty. Twitty. Yeah. Conway. He's like, 
he was like, is that, is that tape still in there? And she goes, well, if it was, I would have burned it. And then as they're talking, Vicky Pastroni. That's a made up name. A head nurse <laughs> from another hospital shows up and they're clearly there together. And this is the last we see a Shep. That was an infuriatingly made up, infuriatingly made up name. Like it sounds like pastrami. Yeah. Like exactly. of, of course the guy with the thick accents there with Vicky Pastrami. Um, but yeah, so this is the last we see a Shep. So- Bye, bitch. It's like a I- bomb goes off. Yeah. Exactly. There's an yes. audible like boom. It's easily one of the most bloodiest things we've seen ever on this show. It's it's an eruption. Carter is painted. Yeah. Basically from head to toe. Fun fact. I kind of did that to a doctor once. Really? Yeah. Uh, I was... Is this this another lounge episode? (laughs) No, this is much shorter. Much shorter and much less ridiculous. But I, I was like... I was a young kid. I couldn't have been any more than like seven or eight. And I just developed a nosebleed out of nowhere and it wouldn't stop. And so like I was bleeding at home for like the better part of like a couple of hours and, um, you know, doing the whole like tilt the head back whole, whole nine yards, just nothing, nothing would get this bleeding to stop. So they finally, my parents finally just gave up and took me to the ER and, they kept me in this room with this doctor who would come in occasionally and be like, yeah, he's bleeding. We're not really sure why we're just going to pack it like, and call it a day. And my parents told him, you know, like he's very squeamish. Like he's very, like he's uncomfortable, you know? So like, if you go shove in this package, packing up his nose, he's probably not going to like it. And he was like, Oh, you know, whatever. And he's wearing, (laughs) I don't remember this part, but my parents, still talk about it very vividly to this day that the guy was wearing like a brand new like white dress shirt and white lab coat and he starts putting this like fat kind of soggy wet gauze packing stuff up my nose and it has to go like up into your sinuses so it's like way way up there and he gets it like just past the point of like where if you were picking your nose you your finger could get and it was uncomfortable and it had a it had a big string on the end of it so that it wouldn't get stuck in there and so as he's trying to shove this thing up there i just grabbed hold of the string and yanked as hard as i could and pulled it out of my nose and blood spurted all over this guy's chest oh, and like all over his like nice man. fresh white lab coat it was gross oh damn daniel <laughs> damn daniel yeah my dad worked at that oh. hospital too so that was probably an uncomfortable monday at work for him the next Ew. day but yeah Oh, that's what you get for wearing a crisp new white shirt when son when a kid when a kid who's bleeding profusely. I love their friendship. I forgot about it. Yeah. Just like everything else on this show. <laughs> what show are we doing again? We're doing House. Oh, okay. That's why Omar Epps is here. Yeah, too, exactly. He's too nice for House. Yeah, we meet uh we meet Hugh Laurie in the next episode. Oh, okay. Seems good. I don't know who else is on that show besides Omar Epps and you, Uh Robert Sean Leonard, a.k.a. my husband. Okay. I got bad taste. Okay. As long as I can be your wife, I don't care who is your husband. You are definitely going to be my wife. Okay, cool. And before we even get into the episode, I don't know if maybe it's just because we were watching on Hulu, but this was, I think, the first one we've seen with a previously on ER opener. It sure was. Yeah, and this one has uh, George Clooney's voice doing the doing the recap. 
I know they tend to rotate, though, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. So, uh, But the episode proper, uh, we're going to open with some audio, but uh, opens with Jeannie getting ready to head out the door, and it's going to be another Chicago Scorcher, classic classic hot person episode. Well, classic- Hot person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a hot person, sure. We can call it that. Sure, sure. Yeah, she's more classy. She's more classy beautiful. You can be classy and hot at the same time. Get you a girl yeah, who can do both. that's fair. Okay, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. But, they uh, do. <laughs> love you, Lauren. And he's schmoozing him, to, and he's like, oh, you could finish your fellowship in just three years. Maybe you should come to a brunch this weekend in Lake Forest. Which is way far north of the city. Yeah. So I guess Peter still needs to pick his fellowship. You know, for as standoffish as Peter can be, he does he really does seem to uh, attract the attention of the snooty types. <laughs> I almost did the the village. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. This is just a different variation. So we go from there to we see Jeannie running for the train, getting on the L. Do we know what line this would be, Lizzie? Chicago geography expert. Yeah, brown line it's the same it's the same station that they use as both like a getting on and getting off point coming and going for yeah coming and going part <laughs> whatever you know what i mean <laughs> get uh, your minds out of the gutter people this is a family podcast god damn it let it never be said on this podcast that carrie weaver is a weak woman no no she's she's many things but that is not one of them i've seen her called some other very interesting things lately but I don't think week was one of them. Well, that's for the Facebook <laughs> folks. I, I also love <laughs> to, to discuss. I, I was trying to leave it vague and not specifically call out the Facebook group. I, but... didn't, say, I didn't say which one. I just said there's, because there's there several many. on. Yeah, there's many. Yeah, but Numerous. only one that Daniel and I are regular. <laughs> so, uh, See, now I, you want minute specific. <laughs> I also appreciate oh. all of the unspoken, or not unspoken, but unseen, like, not to his face behind his back uh doug shade that is thrown around this episode like early yes. earlier with with susan and mark she was like oh like i you can't tell doug anything and then here like carrie's shitting on him and i think it happens again a little bit later like everybody's just kind of shitting on doug behind his back like you can't especially run the tank it'll blow up you'll blow up don't do it you shouldn't be smoking anyway and she's like oh could that make a difference at my age I want you to know that I asked for you specifically. And she, like, goes to pet his cheek. And it's like, <laughs> yikes. So Carter's got a new friend who lives near him. That'll be great. Yikes. Then we have Carter getting called in to deal with Mr. Heath, the little old man from earlier. He's uh, coding, and so Carter goes to do chest compressions. And we actually hear hit one of his ribs break, which was like, <laughs> but very realistic. I mean, you know. That happens when you do CPR. You know, I used to tell people when I taught CPR, like if you're doing it right, you'll probably break some ribs. So if you're if you're not breaking any ribs, you're probably not pushing hard enough. And he does get a faint pulse to return, um, and then said, so "I feel like that's going to be another sticker that we need eventually." Is your face with a speech bubble that says, "If you're if you're not breaking ribs, you're not pushing hard <laughs> enough." <laughs> Just with how often that's come up yeah. in interviews and everything, like we need to have it. It's true. But we'll get to we'll get to that in a few weeks. Uh, but for now, we're going to go back to Carol. She's nailing up fabric. She's nailing up fabric for curtains, which <laughs> that seems that seems less than ideal. To it's me. not how that works. Yeah, like 
why wouldn't you do a put a curtain rod on there? Hey, those are load bearing first. curtains. All right, you're gonna need to you're gonna need <laughs> to nail those up. <laughs> she you she's trying to polish a turd. Okay, it's there's no real great way to do it. I, I know. I can't really still. tell. Too, this came up in the uh, the earlier scene when she's talking to the realtor. Like over the, I think it's over Carol's shoulder. So from the realtor's point of view, we can see there's a gigantic hole in the drywall in the background. And I wondered if it if canonically if that's the hole that she dug with Shep while she was trying to find the fireplace. Mm. But then over the realtor's shoulder, you see a fireplace. So I don't know if it's I don't know which one is real and which one to believe. But it looks like in the background, it looks like the same hole. Can I tell you the awful thought I had? Oh no. Shep's a white man and kicked it because he got angry. And no, a it's hole a that... huge hole. Like it would have to be like it would have to be Godzilla kicked a hole in the wall. Shep's a very angry man. He could have kicked <laughs> it twelve or fifteen times. Sure, he just backed his uh, Mustang or Camaro, whatever car he was working on, into it. His shitbox. I don't know anything about cars. Feel free to call me out. Now, for pedantic bullshit, I want to put this on the table. Anspa or Anspa? For me, it's one of the one. It's one of those ones that's interchangeable. But I probably most often would say Anspa. Yeah, I, was, I, I usually say Anspa. I was always saying Anspa, so I was like, "Did I, have I been fucking saying this wrong the whole time?" Yeah, it's one of those ones that I think is interchangeable, even within characters within the show. Like, I don't think I, I think he's I think he's referred to as both, but but yeah, it is the first appearance of Donald Anspa or Anspa, depending on what your preference is. Played by actor John Aylward, this is his first of seventy four appearances that he will make through two thousand and eight. So he will be with us pretty much almost the rest of the way um he'll be with us through season 14 so uh get used to seeing his mug but this is he looks so good here though he looks so young it was so good to see him it was like okay now this is really becoming the county general that we know it's taking shape yes then we see a party at the admit desk because they aren't closing speaking of things that are potentially in bad taste yep (laughs) they're drinking sparkling juice and dancing around, and Carter is talking about Mr. Heath to Carol, thinks the mystery named Thomas was, in fact, uh, Mr. Heath's dog, because the thing that was whispered to him was kibble, 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 kibble. And at the desk, Randy, E. Ray, and Lydia are doing the Macarena. We don't hear the Macarena mix, uh, music, though. <laughs> Couldn't get the They're right. just doing the dance, yeah. Um, and we find out there's a call to the desk, and we hear that Dr. Morgenstern will be unable to attend the party. Carrie calls from the lounge to let them know. And Carrie is trying to make Dr. Morgenstern feel better. They're sitting in the lounge together. And Morgenstern asks her to dinner and a movie at the Music Box Theater. To which she suggests Caligula, which I thought was a great little <laughs> Carrie sense of humor moment. Because that is a very blue film. It's a, I don't know what that movie is. It's, it's very... Yeah. I'll... I'll tell you when you're older. Okay. <laughs> I'm older than you. So I'll tell you when you're older. It didn't say anything about my age. And going back to the, I just did a quick, some quick Google through the, uh, the movie Caligula <laughs> is a 1979 erotic history drama film focusing on the rise and fall of the uh, eponymous Roman emperor Caligula starring Malcolm McDowell. The yep. what? Of the ep. Ep- eponymous. Eponymous. I can never hip hop anonymous. <laughs> I can't pronounce I can names. I've got at least that covered for me. So we go from there to we have Doug, uh, who 
surprises a radiologist who we've never seen before. What happened to Steve? If, or maybe it is Steve. Maybe Steve mm. just got hot. Uh, but <laughs> have, yeah, stranger Heather. things have happened. We have Heather now, uh, who is <laughs> new canon. Yeah, Steve transitioned. <laughs> Uh, Heather is played by an actress named Elizabeth Barandes. I hope I'm saying that right. I only mentioned that because it's her first of three appearances on the show to this season. So we're burning off half of her season three appearances right here. And the last one is randomly in somewhere in 99. So I I don't really remember much about Heather. I can't imagine her storyline is very lengthy, but it's like, where are we going to meet her for two episodes right now and then bring her back three years from now for one off. I, I just don't know but uh doug doing his usual schmoozing act trying to get her to go for a drink she says it's never just a drink implying this is they she's already been what, what was the what was the line from last season the clutie's a sex machine she's uh, yeah, she's like, already Clooney's put a quarter se- in she's already put at least yeah. one quarter in because it's never just Clooney's a, drink. a sex machine and she wants to put in a quarter so I'm really not sure what era they're setting it in yet. Which one are the main movies set in? What age is those set in? Third age. Okay. You can't see, but over here I'm nodding as though I know what you're talking about. Every I'm hanging <laughs> I can, every word. Listeners, if you want an entire podcast on me just <laughs> word vomiting about Lord of the Rings, press one. For the love of God, don't press one. Uh, <laughs> furiously presses two. <laughs> All right, uh, that'll be a bonus episode with just Lizzie and I, but Lizzie gets that every day living with me. But do we ever find out, does does he actually wax the tongue? <laughs> asking asking so. the important yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. Screw every, all of the awkwardness between Mark and Susan. I want to know if Mark has to wax that motherfucker's car. Maybe we'll find out next episode. Who knows? Had they never yeah. had that scene where he talks, like, and where he we get the full context of him, like, Mr. Johnson, I definitely would agree that that whole storyline could have been tossed because it was so- somewhat regrettable, but I think that it, it's redeemed by that. Yeah. No, but other than that, I think it's a pretty solid episode all around. Uh, God damn it, just let... I know it's never gonna... I know it never happens, but just God damn it. Uh, yes. Mark and Susan, just let them fuck, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, get out of your system! I'm gonna reach back through time using my shipping powers. But if if they happened, you might never get your favorite pairing. I know, but like I didn't say it had to. I didn't say it had to last. But if it didn't last, they wouldn't stay friends. You you can be friends with people you slept with once. But you're talking about a relationship. Not a lot of people have the emotional wherewithal to stay friends with their exes. I'm just saying, let them fuck. (laughs) I'm not saying let them have babies. Although that would be fun too. I'm just saying, let them fuck. Uh... Okay, so before I forget, I want to point out that during du- during Doug screaming about the Roman orgy, uh, Connie and Jerry are perfectly framed in the back like background of that shot, just slowly kind of focusing more and more on Doug, and like you can tell that they've caught part of the conversation, and now they're listening really intently, like what the fuck is going on, and then Anne Spa comes in. I would also I would like, oh, I would like God. to point out that. Um, if there are farm animals involved, it is someone's business. Like we should, that, that needs to stop. Like if, if there are farm animals involved in his Roman orgy, that is very much someone's business and that, that needs to stop. Just need to point that out. I mean, that's just the Midwest. Jesus God Christ. damn it. <laughs> uh, Lizzie. 
We call that a Milwaukee sunrise. We're Midwestern. Stop it. Oh. Oh. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the rest of this conversation, getting back to the emotional um, gravitas of the situation. Carla sees him and like sneaks up on him and is like, oh, come on, come look at it. And she drags him around to give him the tour and everything. And as she's giving him the tour in the kitchen, he just drags his hand over the food prep area. And I'm like, you of all people should know how important it is to not touch shit. And then she makes some comment about like, oh, you didn't come all the way out here just for some, just for some food. Or like, you must have been hungry to come all the way out here or some innuendo like that. The line is, it's gross. They're going to. Yeah, they're gonna do it. The the exact the exact well, line, obviously. which I have no intention of repeating, but it just trust me, it's gross. Like it's it goes beyond innuendo. I don't like it is for and the the look they give yeah, each other for a too. network TV show. Even at ten o'clock at night, it's like guys get a room. Like it is. It's not it's not that obscene. It's just it's a, a horny lot. ass line. I'll say that much. It is a horny ass <laughs> line. You're a horny ass line. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know what else is a horny ass line? The L. What happens next, Lizzie? Uh wow. Just the, a horny ass line. It's a, horny a line. Ass train line. Yeah, it's a line. It's a train track. It's a line. They call them the lines, pink line, red line. <laughs> there, yeah, I'll say there has to be some innuendo in there with the pink line and the red well, line. Okay. Brown line. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I worry about so much. All right, what happens next? Uh, we have our last audio nightmare. of the episode. Carol's up at the uh, our the all familiar L stop. Nails on a chalkboard, folks. <laughs> yeah, but that, I love the little coup at the end because it's just I feel I feel my head cannon is the little coup at the end and the baby saying "damn right." <laughs> <laughs> that, that baby's a professional. Okay, that baby knows when to hit its mark. Exactly. Yeah, that's very true. That's an excellent yeah. point. Like, that baby cried exactly when it needed to. That was impressive. Um, good baby work, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then we go from there up to uh, Anspa and Mark's meeting uh, up outside of his office. And Anspa is encouraging Mark to pursue research uh, in light of Carrie's successful study that she is uh, getting published and in a lovely little bit of early to mid-90s war on drugs uh, paraphernalia, there's a giant poster on the door directly behind Mark and Onspa as they're talking. And it's literally just a big black poster that just says crack in huge letters. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem to have any message on it. Like, maybe don't do crack or anything. It looks like a tour poster for crack. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's bizarre. But uh, yeah, I appreciate that, so... I don't know how I missed that. I'm so upset now. Yeah. Stay in school. Don't do drugs. Crack is bad. Yeah. Crack is bad. Especially whack. crack. Don't do crack. Nothing good can come of that. Yeah. Stick to weed. That's fine. Jesus. Okay, what happens next, Lizzie? I was fine with, I was fine with my uh, laid-back English 4 standard. Thank you very much. <laughs> Senior year. Honors and AP all the way for my English. Thank you very much. Um, from there, we get Tina Hargrove, who is, I believe, eight-year-old that was part of a hit-and-run during trick-or-treating, and we find out her dad got hit, too. So they're trying to get her stable in the trauma room. And there are already films on the back. Whose films are these, guys? Is it the ghost on the fifth floor? Did he magically put the films there? Whose films are they? 
This is this is episode what the main main series episode number fifty two I believe. Let me have this. Yeah, fifty two. Just let me have something. We're we gonna go for another two hundred eighty. Who's I'm gonna bring it up every time I notice it, <laughs> listeners. If it's bothering you, you're the ones who I care about. Tweet us wow. if you want me to wow. stop. This is if, wow. This is Lauren. You, this is Lauren's version of the what are those theme. Like yep. who's are if those? You, <laughs> if you want me to stop being on film watch tweet us facebook message us let us know and i will shut my mouth not for these two but for you um from there we find out oh that's a tonal shift the dad is likely doa in the yellow trauma room this guy is our new i think leader in the clubhouse for most prolific actor we have ever had on the show period um I'm going to do this like Price is Right style. I'm going to let you each have a guess and whoever gets the closest without going over takes it because I don't think either one of you are going to get anywhere close. Uh, So whoever would like to go first, tell me how many credits you think he has to his name closest without going over wins. Okay, so we've had some with multiple hundreds, so I'm going to say 275. Okay, Lizzie's going 275. What are you saying, Lauren? If you 510. Say okay, Lizzie wins because Lauren went way overboard. <laughs> but... Damn it. I thought with the way you said it, it made it sound like it had to be something so Well, I mean it is. Like... I mean because I think our I think our high water mark prior to this was somewhere in the neighborhood of like eh, 200, maybe 250, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a ton, don't get me wrong. Uh, but William Shallard here who appeared in movies like Inner Space, In the Heat of the Night, The Tarnished Angels, and Pillow Talk. Uh, among many, many others. He's got credits dating all the way back to 1947. He has, on IMDb, 386 credits to his Jesus. name. Jesus. That is insane. So, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, he starts working in 1947, and I think he had credits going all the way up till 2014. He died in 2016. So, you're talking about, Jeez. like, seven, almost eight decades this guy was working. It's incredible. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a long time before we get anybody who has more than that. So 386 is the number to beat, character actors. Get on it. As they say that, they arrive to a guy writhing around out on the street who has clearly been stabbed. Actually having been stabbed, not Kirsten Dunst faking it, been stabbed. Uh, Everyone around says that they didn't see what happened. They're treating him in the pouring rain uh, when they also see a car drive by that's clearly uh, got full of guys with guns because we have to illustrate that you know it's urban and scary and and gangland and uh so gus says that he has called the ambulance that they will be there in 15 minutes uh and doug gets the idea says how fast can you drive that thing gus replies a lot faster than that ambulance so they're gonna take the guy (laughs) themselves so for some reason all i thought of was crazy taxi when he said that (laughs) yeah 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 Moving right along, uh, on that happy note, Ms. Jennings has passed away. I love Omar Epps. Yep. Does anybody in this moment feel like our podcast is a little too white? I was white? just going to say, what, the, what do what do us <laughs> three white people have to say about this? <laughs> I love Omar Epps. That's what I'm going to yeah. say about that. Yep, we'll leave it at that. It was well acted. Yeah. It, Not my place to comment it, on the philosophy it of it. It gets the point across. The substance of that point is up to interpretation for the individual watching it, but uh, it, it's very well acted. 
So we cut out from there to uh, Benton hunting for the kids, and he does manage to find them all in one group. They're in the ER, uh, and he does his best, like, boomer, like, back in my day, we had to do tricks for our treats, and yada, and so they challenge him to do a headstand, uh, which he does, like, to full effect, like, props to Eric LaSalle for that. I mean, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you know that I, I posted this clip uh, probably a week or two ago now as you're hearing this. Um just because, like, I was legitimately curious, like, could Eric LaSalle still pull this off 24 years later? I have not gotten a response yet, but I'm holding out hope. So, you know, because <laughs> I, I, I have to know because he's it's a legit head, like headstand. Like, I, I, I do believe that they say, oh, yeah, what trick can you do? And then he just pulls the handstand yeah. out of his hat. Like, that's just what I he mean. Comes the only thing with, I can yeah. the only thing I can see when he's doing it is like it might be a little bit of clever editing that he like gets up and then immediately goes back down and they just through using other pov shots they managed to extend his headstand a little bit um mm. but but i think it's, it's him really, really doing it though. yeah so good kudos to him but then from there again a complete 180 uh we go to mark and susan back at the party and at the same time they both ask to dance with each other very awkwardly and they're both like, oh, well, only if you want to. Well, you might be too tired. Well, I guess we could. It just goes back and forth. And finally, it's like, just fucking dance. And so they, they get out on the dance floor, and they slow dance together very uncomfortably. <laughs> they don't leave room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but there's, and even with that, it's still the most unsexy slow dancing ever. There's no chemistry in this dance at all. But it's not quite eighth grade it's not much awkward. better. It's not like we dance. It's not like we dance in our kitchen. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah. So it just the episode ends with them dancing together and Halle again killing it with her performance and Yvette Freeman just nailing it. It was not a great night. I almost passed out. Mm, I honestly couldn't say a number because I was so out of it. But I think I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I had a real bad habit in college of spending every new year's in the hospital it, which is a, it's a great story for another for the lounge it, uh, would, it, would you believe that not a single one of them involved alcohol uh, if it was anybody else no but you yes <laughs> um it's okay the tradition of having something happen to me. yeah it was just it was a weird phase i went through where like three or four years in a row i ended up needing medical attention on new year's but one year it was for food poisoning and for another year it was uh, i had ear infections in both years simultaneously and for Gee. one of those, I don't remember which one it was, but for one of those, they were having a real heck of a time getting a, uh, an IV in me. And I know they finally did get it, but when the nurse left the room, I looked over at my IV and like directly below my arm on the sheet, the, the whole sheet was just covered in blood. And so I was like, he clearly struggled. <laughs> like He clearly was having a time getting this thing in there. I don't know how – I was, like, so out of it that I didn't really process any of it. I wasn't in, like, pain. It didn't hurt or anything. But, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you how many times it took. But it was it was an ordeal, apparently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jinx this by saying this on a recorded podcast, but I knock on – Do you want to knock on my head, no, too? No, I'm okay. Our wooden countertop is. It's plenty. But I have never had someone miss an IV on me. To my knowledge, must be nice, right? Look at me, I'm Lizzie. I have prominent it, veins. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I've been told I've been told by multiple nurses I have excellent veins, so, which is kind of a weird compliment. But must be great. I have to be incredibly hydrated for mine to display right. I'll have to ask Nurse Jen for tips on when I get blood drawn, how to not feel so gross. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you about that. 
Any other words of wisdom, Gant? <laughs> Gant finally stands up for himself a little bit. This becomes his house character with yeah. this next line. And just says, you're a real prick, you know that? As the elevator door closes. Yes. With how much house I watched, I cannot for the life of me remember what the character name was that he played on house. And he was there the whole time. Oh, but this is God, you're putting me on the spot. I, what I is watched... his fucking name? I watched the whole series. Did you watch did you watch a bunch of house too? No, I watched the whole series. I, I didn't watch it I mean I watched it like off and on when it was on, but like I watched it on Netflix literally like five, six years ago. The whole uh, thing. yeah, I binged it on Netflix when it was all on there. Um but yeah, I cannot for the life of me remember that character's list. But this is very much that like you can see his training with Benton paid off for him dealing with Gregory House. So apparently I was reading, uh, apparently there was big like discussion amongst the writers and producers for this episode as far as whether or not uh, Gant saying prick here was going to get them in hot water with, you know, standards and practices because they have to submit the episode ahead of time for any, you know, stuff like that. And so there was apparently a lot of discussion, like, should we keep this in or not? Or is this going to get us in trouble? And so the, ultimately they all kind of voted like, you know, okay, we'll leave it in. And if they want us to take it out or tone it down, we will, but we think it's strong enough that it needs to stay in the episode. So they send it in. Right. And then apparently like, it got a complete like thumbs up green light from standards and practices because, and the, this is conjecture on the part of the writers and stuff, but the, the assumption was that they thought that uh, they agreed with Gant. <laughs> like that <laughs> they basically were just like, yeah, yeah, he is a prick. So that, that can stay. This is story accurate that, and yeah. worth sharing. Yeah. Yeah. tracks And yeah. it's not sexual. Yeah. 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 So sure. it was funny. Now I want to rewatch House. God damn. I know. Um, you're, it's driving me crazy now trying to think of what is. And I'm sure somebody who's listening to this is screaming into their headphones. Like, I've watched the whole series. How can I not? <laughs> like, I, I feel like I've like, seen. I'm thinking Cameron. Yeah. Um, That's Foreman. Cool. Foreman. That's it. Cameron Chase and Foreman. There we Which go. Which actually, I'm just now realizing his name in the show is Eric Foreman. How did we never pick up on that? <laughs> Dr. Eric. How Foreman. the hell did we yeah. never pick up on that? That another Fox show had another Eric Foreman character. Like, I I never heard his first name, so it never that's would have occurred. Hilarious. That's we only the first have... time I've ever heard that it's Dr. Gregory House. And yeah, so, it's I Gregory just... House. They always call each other by last names. You don't like Cuddy's Cuddy, Wilson's Will. You never hear their first names. I need to rewatch. It, it's House. so telling. It's it's so telling though that like he he's. I mean, part of it is personal bias because, you know, I'm a bigger ER fan than I am a House fan. Such different They are. They're wildly different shows, and House is great, but not as good as ER in my mind. House is a great over-the-top character drama with some sure. very, very floppy medicine. Right. They just both happen to take place primarily in hospitals. But it's it's telling to me that, like, how many more episodes and how much longer he was his character on house. And yet to me, when I see Omar Epps and I think medical show, I still think Dennis Gant. Like, Nope. I, I think house, but that's because again, my exposure to him came yeah. with my house. Not so much with ER true because of how much of a baby I was when this would have been on. Yeah. I don't know. House was on during my peak high school. Years. Oh yeah. It definitely was for me too. I mean, house was house. I think house probably, eh. My mom, because as I've said on the show before, like my mom was kind of the entry point for me to ER. Like this was a show that she watched a lot when I was a kid. But by the time I was in high school, I definitely think her attention was starting to wander towards either House or Grey's Anatomy. Like she did a little bit of both. 
my dad would get told he looked like Gregory House if he had scruff, and he would get so mad because he thought House was such an asshole. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, dad. there's plenty of good-looking assholes in the world, you know. It's... My dad was one of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I love you, dad. <laughs> I agree, I, I agree, actually, with the first half of your argument as far as, like, this probably would be up there as, like, a top... I, you would, I think you would hear this episode get talked more about as, like, one of the best episodes of the series as a whole. You know, like, watching it now in a vacuum, it's great. Like you said, 9 out of 10, probably. But I don't know that I've ever really heard anybody go to bat for this episode as, like, one of the best of the entire series the same way that you hear about like a love and i mean again going back to the very top of the episode where we talked about lance gentile's pedigree here i mean he wrote love's labor lost he wrote blizzard like this this guy clearly knows how to write an episode that is heavy on the drama and doesn't rely on a lot of the but even with blizzard like that did that managed to, to toe the line pretty well between drama and levity too that was the whole episode where they had carter in a cast for half the episode Right, and yeah. they had the wheel, the them playing uh, like wheelie stuff in the halls while yeah. it was empty. So like, I mean, there, there's, I think there is a balance to be struck with that. I, I do agree though that Love's Labor Lost is a perfect example of how you can you can do just the drama and come out with something that is not just a great episode in a vacuum, but is an all time great episode. Um, hmm. But I also kind of agree with Lauren too, where you know the I think that the the attempt at levity here is inoffensive and unintrusive enough that to me it it carries like it's like she said they got it out of the way early in the episode it wasn't something that was constantly being referred back to even as everything else is burning down so i don't know i I, again like you said it's it's we're all semantics because we're talking about nine out of ten versus ten out of ten like it's i think i think it's clearly the episode of the season so far i i said to both of you after i watched it like finally like it took us six six episodes into this season before we finally got like an absolute heart thumper like an absolute wall-to-wall heart pounding episode we were all like that's an er episode yeah yeah and i think part of what i think part of what you were saying as to why this episode isn't necessarily referred to with like the all-timers from this series i think part of that has to do with the pacing Mm. and i think the removal of the storyline of the of the cryogenic storyline took maybe two, three minutes of screen time. Yeah, total. but if they need to fill that, what would you put it with? I would just, honestly, I would just leave it as is. But if you have to have, 42 let's say, minutes. 42 minutes, and you take out the two minutes of levity, here's, here's, what would you Here's what I would have done. Well, okay, here's what I would have done, how I would have fixed it. Because th- this will make everybody happy. So if, if we, <laughs> we take out the Brazil storyline, that's gone now. We, we, we just basically take Jeannie and Doyle and put them in the corner with Weaver because it's, it's already been established here that we don't need everybody in this episode. So you yeah, just take not. and Jeannie's been doing enough heavy lifting the first five episodes anyway. So you just take Jeannie and Doyle, put them over in the corner with Weaver uh, at the beginning of the episode, at, like when they're first doing the field trauma thing, we take Zach like they, they manage to get. Because Zach's kind of inconsequential anyway, for the most part. So I say you take the dad and you take the daughter to mm. to county on the first pass. And then they need to go back to get mom and Zach on the second pass. We let Susan go. We let, we let her go do her thing. And then to fill that last three minutes of screen time that you've cut out with the Brazil thing, you leave it on another cliffhanger. I mean, you, you still leave the episode on a cliffhanger. But the cliffhanger is is that we're led to believe that the helicopter crashed. 
Now it didn't. Yes. She's fine. We find that out in the next episode that everything's okay, but they just lose communication. They lose communication. Something happens where we are led to believe at the end of that episode that Benton has fucked up and potentially killed a 10-day-old baby. Mark who has fumble fucked around for the last, you know, half a season and didn't tell Susan how he really felt about her. Now he's now he's ending this episode thinking she's dead. Right after that pointed um, ghost story of he never told right. her how he felt. Yeah. I, I think that's how you fix this episode to where it takes it from a really good episode in a vacuum to like an all-time great one. And, you know, again, she's not dead. They didn't actually crash the helicopter. Everything's fine. But that, I think, would make, like I said, it would make everybody happy. It would, it would take out Lizzie's levity that she doesn't want in this episode. And it would add in that little extra layer of drama with Susan's storyline that otherwise kind of feels a little bit tacked on here. Well, the Star Trek The Next Generation crew has their second of four red carpet appearances as Star Trek First Contact debuts in Los Angeles. It's Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny's time to shine at the theaters, through, though as Space Jam also debuts and takes number one at the box office. No Diggity by Blackstreet featuring Dr. Dre and Queen Penn is still the number one song. And Daniel turns seven this week. Happy Woo-hoo. birthday, Tiny Daniel. Happy birthday to me. Hold me closer, I'm... Tiny Daniel. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> that was just for Daniel. We go. We follow along with Mark there as he meets up with Susan and confirms that he is taking over the lease on her apartment because that set is too good to waste, and we do not want to. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to let that go to waste. I'm sure a lot of money went into that. That is my dream apartment. I love. That's one of my favorite little wrinkles of Susan leaving is that they just give her apartment to Mark because that that set was so clearly like very expensive, and they did not want to waste it. So. I mean, that does happen in Chicago. We inherited a great apartment from one of our friends out in the suburbs because he had an excellent location and we got the scoop on it before it got posted for listing. So, so. And still at the desk, Lydia is returning her wedding dress because Al, Al was dragging his feet on getting married. Aww. So it's a very pretty dress. And apparently Lydia is just a clumsy person now. <laughs> Which I like. I enjoy it. Yeah, she drops it like two or three times while she's standing there. I think think twice she trips over it. Yeah. Which is a very pretty dress. It's a very poofy dress. So no wonder she's tripping over it, trying to put it back in the box. So we go from there to Susan and Mark talking again. And uh, Susan is under the impression that Mark is bummed about her leaving because of their good working relationship and that he uh, needs to trust the other doctors that they work with and... You know, it's it's more of a professional sort of gripe that he has rather than a personal one. And of course, Mark doesn't really tell her what is really going on in his head. And I don't know, like, I felt like y- you all can tell me what you felt about this scene, because I sort of felt like this was a little bit tough for me to suspend my disbelief on where it was like it, this this scene requires you to think that Susan is a lot dumber than she is. <laughs> like, yeah, no, <laughs> like, because she goes into it with the utmost sincerity that this is really what's bothering him. And it's like she's smarter than that. She clearly knows that he's got he's all up in his feelings and, you know, whatever. I, th- Why I can't we address in- that? I think the intention is that they want you to think Susan's totally oblivious. But the other way you could read it is that she knows and she is trying to redirect it and give him an out that okay. isn't 
that, that isn't now that, that I will buy that if she's if she is really the smartest that's, she's playing 4d chess she's the smartest yeah. one yeah. in the room that's the yeah that's that's kind of how i saw it was like she's like trying to like be like oh yeah of course it's because we work together well yeah like she's, it's, she's, it's less it's not like it's trying not to insult mark by saying no i don't love you go away from me Ew. <laughs> right like she's trying to build that boundary but still share that, you know, she'll miss him. So I definitely think that it was written potentially to intend that she's oblivious. But I don't I don't think there's any way she could be after he asked yeah. her out the last episode and was like, are you and Morgan Stern dating? No woman is that dense. Exactly, yeah. Except for me. I never know when anybody's interested, <laughs> but that's okay. Hey, Lauren. Uh, I'm interested. I'm shocked. Yeah, and and Malik also seems to feel like that seems to be a bit yeah. much because even Malik is like, I can just go find her. It's not that big a deal. Like, and he's right. like, No, get psych. Like he's yeah, like she he he can just go get her and ex- and have her explain like, Oh, I'm not. I'm leaving the hospital. I'm yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't have to call a psychiatrist and potentially risk the guy getting committed against his will. Nothing. Nothing more dangerous than a white guy with a case of the feels. Let me tell you. Like they, they will fuck up everyone in their radius. Just <laughs> Jesus, Daniel. I'm just saying. He's not wrong. I'm just saying. Like <laughs> they will. There's no length that they will not go to to ruin everyone else's day just because they're having a bad one. Like that dude that's that's been playing the piano in the park trying to get his ex yes. back or whatever. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, what? You haven't heard about this? No. Recently, there's been there's been a rise. Um, I've heard about this from like three different places on the internet, so it must be true. Um, there was a there's like a 34 year old guy who lost the love of his life, and he's been like sitting in some park, I think on a college campus or something, playing like a grand piano, full like tuxedo every day, trying to win her back, Sounds just out of a sta- statement of his love. The fucking entitlement on that yeah. dude. Holy shit. Uh huh. Sounds like the most pretentious asshole. You know what? This is what happens when people watch too many 80s and 90s rom-coms with just those grandiose gestures. Like, once is fine. Try it for a day, and if it doesn't work, leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. Yeah, John Cusack is not meant to be a role model for (laughs) healthy relationships. Nope. Like, oh, is that what emotions are? Is this what I'm feeling? (sighs) Like... Uh, like I also that's another problem I have with this whole uh, thing is that they escalate it so incredibly quickly mm-hmm. from like he's got a thing for her because he's had a crush on her pretty much the whole series like yeah. in, in one form or another which that's fine but then that's escalated to like you know full-blown feelings and like I'm I'm feeling something to now just in this episode he's got it, a health condition well, in th- well, in this episode, it's like every interaction that they have once the like we start heading towards the end of the episode, it goes from just like I would like to date you to we need to spend the rest of our lives together and I love you and we should get married. Like even though he doesn't necessarily come right out and say that, all of the like set dressing around it is like the narrative has shifted from like these two people clearly have chemistry and maybe should hang out more often outside of work to they are soulmates and they should live together forever and make babies. So let's make it more tragic that she's leaving. Yeah, I just don't get the escalation out of, like, nowhere. I just, it's it's so weird to me. And again, it plays into that whole, like, obsessed guy thing of, like, you know, you can't ever just, 
like a person. You have to either like be 100% soulmates and like live together forever or nothing. It's just so weird. I don't know. Lauren is giving me the creepiest look ever right now. Can I help you? Hi, I'm a white man interested in you. Return my feelings or there will be consequences. (laughs) (laughs) There's a, oof, clip that out. There's a drop right there. I'm a white man interested in you. Return my feelings or there will be consequences. Uh, Handle your rejection with grace, people. It's not that fucking hard. I did it plenty. Same. And I like to think it earned me you. What I mentioned we're hella gay on this show. Hella gay. What happens next, Lizzie? Uh, what happens next is that we go up back up to the OR. And Susan and Mark make make the gayest gooey eyes at each other during the whole time of the while they're saying the vows. Now I'm gonna ask, are we are are we as a people, as a queer people taking back that's so gay? Because we've just been calling stuff gay left and right this whole fucking episode. Yeah. And like, is that just are we taking it back? I mean, yeah. <gasps> That's the whole, I would say, that's kind of the whole. You can cut that, by the way. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people in the the queer community, actually taking back, taking the the word, calling it the queer community is taking that back. I know that's taking it back for sure, but. Yeah, like I I identify as queer when that was used against me in a negative connotation so many times growing up and it feels so damn good. I was being more funny about Ah. the fact that we call shit gay all the time but we can cut that whole thing out anyway i'm glad to hear you identify as queer comfortably i do too what goes on next it's me um before before i before we go too far (laughs) uh but the the last bit there with susan and mark making eyes each other that's kind of the what i was talking about earlier where like it's fine to underscore the fact that they're leaving like that she's leaving and that they're leaving something kind of unresolved but like to then add this extra layer of symbolism on top of it where it's like maybe let them have dinner first you know like maybe like maybe we let them like go on a date before we marry him off that's that's basically where I, what i'm getting at here and also too i do feel like we should point out that al and lydia married for real uh not here though despite uh some urban legend to the <laughs> to the contrary not actually married on the show for real but did get married in real life many years before this because they're still boomers Yes, and still married to this day. Saw them on a podcast, like, a month ago. It was delightful. Fucking goals. Why wasn't it our podcast? I know, both I of tried. you that it was a It was an Instagram live thing, and I definitely whored us out in the comments, but I got no response, so. Damn. I know, like, not only to be married that long, but also to have the two of them on our show would be amazing. Like, can you imagine having both of them on as guests together? Oh, God. I mean, they. it was them, it was the two of them, and their dog. It was yes. hysterical. I want to interview a dog. Al is under the impression, though, that this was his last episode, because that's what he said in the interview, was that we got married, and then they never ca- they never called me back. Like, I never got to work again after this. And I, I, li- I went and looked, and that's not true. He's back several more times. But in his, you know, boomer brain, he this is his last episode. It's probably because it was the last, like, big one. Probably, yeah, on. this is probably the last, like, significant thing he got to do on the show. But So it probably just kind of bled together a little bit. Sure. Mark's going on an adventure. <laughs> Doug hands him his boom box and off he goes. I don't agree with Doug on this one. Yeah. But it sets up but I'll say, but it sets up for a nice little nice little scene at the end of the episode. Yep. Well, mm, sure. One of the mo- it's, one it's, of it's, honestly to me, one of the most memorable scenes in the entire about, show. How about an iconic scene? Yeah, okay. it's it's very iconic, very memorable, and and I, I can't wait to talk about it more in depth, but 
Daniel and I are sitting here rubbing our hands together. <laughs> but to let, for now, on, but for now, we got to get a little horniness out of the way because Benton and Carla <laughs> uh, just decide to have a little makeout session in the suture room, uh, which and he comes off very awkward in this scene here. He's trying to play like cool Mister Smooth guy, but it, it doesn't really like doesn't fully translate. So more developments to come with Benton and Carla, uh, <laughs> as we all know. But yeah, no, this now we kind of are we're, we're coming down the other side of the mountain here. We're starting our uh, Mark's big adventure, and I want to say it's about from this point the Doug scene coming up, notwithstanding. So spoilers for an interview that you all will hear a few months from now. At this point, um, we talked recently to uh, Martin Dobich, who did all of the music for the show minus the theme song. And the pilot. He didn't do the pilot, but he did all 330 other episodes after the pilot. And he uh, was kind enough to sit down and talk with us. And one of the things that he clued us in on was the fact that this whole ending sequence here was a big old secret to everybody, which, you know, we we sort of knew some of that. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit more when we get to the last scene. Um, but to to include him. Like, he was not allowed to know any of the details of what was going to be happening here until the night before. And when I say the night before, I don't mean the night before the show was finished being shot or the night. I mean, the show aired on Thursday night and he was scoring it on Wednesday night. So, like, dude's a pro. He was given no lead time on this whatsoever. So he basically was going through this whole process with us that it was like this long scene, like three plus minutes uh, of Mark running uh, after Susan and he's having to score all this in real time and under the gun to get this t- back to them so they can get it to, uh, to air the next night. So, I mean, just trying to imagine, and you're talking about 1996 technology with that too. It's not like he was just uploading something from his Mac, you know, like he had to like make physical cuts to things and like was working off of a VHS tape at a cassette player it's it's incredible how well this comes out with how little time he had to work on it. So kudos to that guy. Yeah. Needs to be set off the top. But so we start his his magical Chicago adventure here is he's waiting waiting for the train to get to Union Station and he is at the Quincy CTA stop. Lizzie, do you want to uh, enlighten us on where that is? Yeah. It's actually just right down the street from Union. It's like and three it's, blocks, right? And it's, it, yeah, if that. And yeah. it's not even... It's, I think it's meant to be the station that they normally go to but that's a com- but this one is completely different look wise this yeah. is a very classic old school it's one of the original stations yeah so. it's a beautiful station but it's literally three blocks away from union yeah yeah whereas the normal one they use the chicago station may have made more sense for oh god i gotta get there Yeah, which is about a mile yeah yeah but it's not three blocks away so there's the first thing and all of this stuff too i should say off the top too all of this stuff is shot on location like they're shooting all of this in chicago yeah. none of this is in la it seems like this is all uh, location shots in chicago so i wonder how, too how much of this uh was you know like with much like with love's labor lost in season one like i wonder how much of the final plot and final uh stuff that they had uh when they started shooting it i wonder if it was still being written uh, and I'm also wondering if maybe they went with the Quincy station for this one, because since they were already shooting at Union, it was so much closer. That might be what it maybe. is. Yeah. But so anyway, in any event, he gives up on waiting for the train there and decides he's going to get a cab. Uh, and so he takes the cab to her to Susan's apartment building, uh, which is, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, it's a real building. Um, it's at 14 North Peoria in the West Loop. Where is that in relation to the, the station he just left? 
Uh, it's about a half mile, three quarters of a mile <laughs> or so. Yeah. The geography is yeah, all over the place. Yeah. So yeah. it's about it's about a half mile, three quarters of a mile. But the green line doesn't run on Quincy Stop, does it? Yeah. And, so he would have yeah, had to. And actually. Uh, no, it does not. And actually, I, I remember reading, too, um, when I was doing my notes on my end, I was reading how the station that he starts at and then where he gets the cab are mm-hmm. about a mile apart. Yeah, that's at State Street. He gets yeah. the cab at the State oh, Street. Oh yeah, station. isn't that isn't that at uh, yeah Wacker and State? Or <laughs> yeah. Something? So he yeah, ran he Wacker. ran a mile from the station that was already three blocks away from yeah. his destination to begin with. Because <laughs> when he got downstairs for the cab, I was like, I have come out of that intersection so many times for my old job. Yeah. Like I was, I lived at that station essentially, and then 14 North Peoria in the West Loop is right by where I worked for three years. So when I actually put that together and realized it's right by Parlor Pizza Place. Yeah, I know. So I was like, oh, okay, like that's by where my old eye doctor was. Like, so yeah. So like I said, geography is all over the place. He leaves a a station that's already three blocks away from where he eventually wants to end up to then run a mile to get a cab to go half a mile from where he started. I think for this episode, it might worth it might be worth doing taking a screen. Shot of Google Maps and just like Microsoft Re- Paint retrace the, Mark's all the stops. Steps. Yeah, so that would be really fun. He gets to he gets to Susan's apartment. She is he has missed her. Uh, her land his landlady now I guess is yeah. is still there. And she says, "Oh, you just missed her, but she left a note for you on the mantle." So he and I can't remember. Does he? We don't hear what or we don't get to no. clue in on what the note says. No. He just looks at it and is like, It's not Susan, I gotta go get her. Yeah. So he leaves uh leaves from there and he's gonna try Union Station next. So he's so, darting in and out of traffic. Pretty much a mile back to where he started. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. He's one big circle. All right, strap in, because there is <sighs> a lot to unpack with that uh minute and forty two seconds there. First of all, Let's start with the technical bits, because like we mentioned earlier, like listen to the, the music tones you hear at the very beginning of that and just try to picture in your mm-hmm. head a guy hunched over a tape recorder the night before. And he's seeing this all for the first time, trying to put that together and just appreciating how well that s- scores this very dramatic moment. Like you said, like it or love it, it like uh, love it or hate it. it this is a uh, very iconic moment. And it's one of the, the kind of the the hallmark moments of the series so i i'll give full credit where it's due there the other thing is that so and this is some another thing that would kind of come up time and time again throughout the the course of the series particularly when people were leaving or returning is that er like to keep people in the dark about things and so this whole ending sequence here for everyone with the exceptions of carol flint who wrote the episode tom moore who directed it the shooting crew like the physical people holding the cameras and doing the sound uh anthony edwards and sherry stringfield outside of that group up to and including nbc themselves no one knew what the ending of this episode was going to be so that's pretty impressive in and of itself uh that they were able to keep that under wraps but yeah, this is certainly a scene. <laughs> this is certainly a thing that happens. Um, I don't know who wants to who wants to dig their teeth into this because I know we're gonna have some dissenting opinions about it. So I want Lizzie to go first before I shit all over one of her most iconic and remembered <laughs> scenes of ER. I will say for a moment it's fantastic. Yes. So I want to say that at the top for for a moment it is fantastic. So with that said, Lizzie, go ahead. 
I love it. And I'm almost afraid to say that between because I feel like you two are going to shit all over no, my dreams. No, 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 no. No, it's because you're like said, romantic. As a moment, yeah. it's great. I'm a hopeless romantic, and I think this is beautiful and sweet, but I could see where, I I don't know, I I love it, and I'm sticking to that. No, you there can, you and you can absolutely enjoy it in a vacuum, because in a vacuum, it is great. It is <laughs> it is a very, no, it is, it's a good moment. It's yeah. a great moment. It's incredibly well acted, it's incredibly well yes. scored, it's incredibly well shot. They it's, both bring it home, for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. there's a reason why this is one of the most memorable moments for me in the entire, for me and a lot of people in the entire series. Is right. because it all just comes together in one one beautiful heartbreaking moment, one crescendo. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Getting very technical with the terms here. <laughs> I have a, quite a large vernacular. Right. Daniel, shit all over my dreams. No, no, no. I'm not going to shit all over your dreams. Like I said, as a moment, it is great. It is just it's all the things that we've talked about over the course of the episode up until now. Like I just feel like I feel like if this was the season finale, and they had had a season worth of. Where okay, we're re- we know she's leaving, but we're really going to like actually give this a shot and really see if we can turn this into something that we ultimately know we're not going to go with because she's leaving. I think you could have made this work on a character level where it would feel it wouldn't feel so like like just so like you know because it just the the dial gets turned up too high too fast for me. And, and you burn the dish is where I'm at. Like, it's like you, <laughs> if you'd have let it, you know, if you cooked it over a low heat for four to six hours, you know, you'd have had a, something really good here. But the you fact the that the pot roast treatment. Exactly. But the fact is, is that they like turned it up so fast that it's like, like I said, let them go to dinner first. They don't have to get married. They don't have to make babies. Like, just let them go to dinner first. We don't have to like, we don't have to do this. But again, it, it's all circumstantial. Like, you know. And we can talk about that once we get our feelings out of the way as far as the whole fallout of Sherry Stringfield leaving and everything. But, like, I don't know. Lauren, what do you think about it? I think my hesitancy with it is part of what I've talked about earlier in the episode. Part of it is this was not one of those episodes that I caught as a child, so it does not have that big emotional upswell to me of this happened and I I knew it happened, but it didn't have that same impact as it would have at the time. And then on top of that, looking at it with a bitter 2020 female lens, (laughs) it's just like, my dude, she's already leaving. She is on a, she's literally one foot on a train, gotten rid of her apartment. And you're just like, no, drop everything and stay with me because I didn't know how to communicate until this moment. Right. That's, that's, that's not on her. You gonna pay for this train ticket, my dude? Yeah. I do think it's very sweet though. And it also confirms my earlier suspicions where she's like, no, I kind of knew. Like, yeah, but, um, yeah, but yeah, just, I think it's very sweet. They get their kiss. Mark knows she feels the same. And then Mm, his dream woman goes off into Phoenix. That is where I, that's where I disagree. Like, you don't like the kiss? Well, I, number one, I forgot about the kiss. Like, I forgot that that even happened. So when it happened, when I was watching it, I was like really like they did that huh like i mean i get it like i mean it's it's a network drama like of course they're gonna kiss like that should not have come as a surprise to me but it was just that i just didn't remember but i don't necessarily in my mind this is just how i read it i don't necessarily think that the kiss and the the i love you means what you know logic would tell you it means like to me i think it was that was her like meeting him where he was and just saying like okay like you you are clearly important to me as a person and and i value our friendship and everything 
and the I love you, I mean, I, I believe she does really love him as a, as friend. a friend. Yeah. yeah. I don't. And, and so, like, I don't think that her kissing him and then saying that as the train's pulling away, I don't think that's any indication that she's reciprocating his feelings in any way. I think it's more that she is validating their friendship and just saying, right. like, you know, what, you are still important to me, even though you just made an ass out of yourself on a train platform. Right. I think they almost could have left it at the kiss and then her going. I don't think they needed the I love you. Bye. Like She certainly didn't need to repeat it. Right. I don't think she needed to say it over and over again as the train was pulling away. I thought that was a little bit much. But I don't know. Like, again, as a moment in a vacuum, it's fan- It's great. It is one of it's the first time they get to do this. Like it's it is the whether they you know got the rug pulled out from under them or not. Like this is the first time that a major cast member. Yeah, this is the first time that a major cast member is leaving, and you'll see throughout the course of the series that this. I mean, hell, to Susan herself later when she comes back. Spoilers for like season eleven or whatever the fuck it is. Like she. Yeah, so she doesn't this is this is her goodbye because the second time around she doesn't get one. So like you see that they they do different types of goodbyes and they do them to varying degrees of effectiveness. And I would say if you're going through and ranking all of the um character goodbyes over the course of the series, this probably ranks pretty high up there. Like it's one of the better ones because it's given the kind of significance you would expect and it's it's there's a whole episode built around it. And, you know, so all that stuff is is great. I just think that it wasn't given the ch- it never was given a chance to work outside of the vacuum. I have a question and this isn't going to come into play until like many, many, many seasons later. But mm-hmm. is her magnet one of the ones we see of, in that shot of like the- I want to say it is I but I don't know. The, and that was something I was going to bring up earlier when she leaves and how we were saying like that they don't make right. a big deal out of it. That's something that they do sort of lose as the se- as the series goes on because the show is more and more popular and has right. more and more of a history. They do sort of get a little far up their own ass about that kind of stuff. And I love Abby's goodbye at the end of the show with the, all the name tags and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you take start from here and go to that. That is the most right. up your ass shit of like, it's her last day of work. You don't need to go in and look at the whole fucking wall of names of everyone who's ever worked here. Okay. Like it's not it, like, it's a little silly, but it's a great moment. So, you know, it is a great moment, Lizzie, but I'm just saying that's, uh, do you still want to do six more years of this podcast? I'm just saying, be, I'm just that's, saying that shot is not for Abby. That that ending, no. that shot is not for you're, you're that right. shot is absolutely for us, the audience. You are absolutely and right. it's a beautiful, right. lovely shot, and I would not change a single what thing I, about and it. And why I bring, but I'm saying why I bring that up is to illustrate just the difference in not only where we are in the timeline, but just where we are in the growth arc of the show itself. Mm-hmm. The show is, as it is right now is just a show about people who work in a hospital. You know what I mean? Like, in, in an ER. Like, it is, it is... It's not bigger than the sum of its parts yet. It will become that later on. Like, it will become something that is much bigger than the sum of its parts. But it's not there yet. And so it's interesting to see how they approach something like this at such an early stage of the show's development. And, you know, again, so much of the... There's a lot to like here. It's not a bad moment at all. And it's not a bad episode at all either. There's just little elements about it that I would have... Looking back at it at hindsight, I would have liked to have seen handled differently. But... Again, a lot of that, I think, is circumstantial, having to do with the fact that she left so suddenly. 
have a little more time. Excuse me now, ex-wife, they're divorced. They are now officially Ooh, divorced. Which, man, lightning fast on that. I mean, he just gave her the papers last episode, and they're already, like, the divorce already came. Like, I know yeah. people who have been in divorce proceedings for, like, years. To be fair, he wasn't putting up a fight for any assets. Yeah, it seemed, yeah. Like, it, it seemed like it was pretty simple true but as far as divorce go i've never been divorced so i wouldn't know how simple or complicated they can be well let me tell (laughs) you as a child of divorce who boy they can get messy she's like what the fuck dude i just wanted to give you some good news that our nurses will not be removed from the er thought you could use a win today bites her head off and then keeps chomping down the torso when she's just like no we're good And Benton gets his wish uh, to do some more pediatric surgery today as him and Dr. Keaton are working on Sword Swallow Boy. <laughs> and, and I couldn't get his name. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. That's, that's an, it's that, an apt that descriptor. Is in fact, yeah, I'll say that is in fact what he did, and he is a boy. So Don't do this, Carter. Gant needs you. We even get run-of-the-mill shittiness in this episode. Like, it doesn't even have to be, like, transphobia or, you know, any any of the, the hot-button ones. We could just have regular run-of-the-mill shittiness, too. What I don't understand about this storyline here is that Carter is in his, what, early to mid-20s, probably? Like, he's... Probably mid-20s. Mid- yeah, like, yeah. 25, 20... Because med school. I f- like, yeah, I, f- yeah. I feel like 25, 26 is a safe bet, you know? What family Christmas party is such a fucking rager that you can't do both? Like, what, like, what, is he expecting that he's going to be at this Christmas party till four in the morning? Like, why can't he go to the Christmas party and then go hang out with his girlfriend afterwards? Go to the Christmas party from, like, four to nine. Yeah, order of operations, my dude. You can do both. Like, there's enough time in the day. Like, you afraid you're going to be in bed by ten? Like, what is, I I just don't get it. If you're me. Well, I mean, I... You're not 26, okay? <laughs> like you're. No, I'm 28. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. that's the that's the cutoff. That is the cutoff. As soon as you hit 28, <laughs> it's like okay, you take an hour off the bedtime every year after that. We we I've been operating under the theory that after Gant leaves us on this show, he immediately like ins- like him his character on House is just him in purgatory. Yeah. And having to deal with <laughs> Doctor House is yeah. just his penance. But yeah, the other thing I noticed is I haven't watched House in forever. I was obsessed with it in high school. Watching it now, I'm like, okay, ER is a medical drama. House is a soap opera. Oh yeah. Like it's yeah, it's a weird intersection between a medical drama, a soap opera, and a sci-fi show. Like there's yes, there's so many weird things going it's on. It's like with a monster it. of the week. Yeah, yeah, but with medicine, with a little dash of Sherlock Holmes in there too. Like it's. Well, that was the whole thing, was it was supposed to be a medical Sherlock Holmes. That's why his name is House instead of Holmes, and you've got Wilson instead of Watson. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys knew that, but... I didn't burn any uh, creative muscles coming up with those two. <laughs> we can't call him Holmes and Watson. That's two on the nose. What should we do? House and Wilson. All right. Is that lunch? Yeah, that That's was, lunch. That was the whole... Ah, Memories. Also, what is the envelope stuffing scheme? I'm curious about that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Multi-level marketing schemes are a hell of a thing. I was going to say, but, but in the 90s, we didn't have Facebook, so the multi-level marketing schemes came through the mail. I yeah. guess. Or to your front door. Cutco knives, anyone? 
I want a real Christmas tree, but we have no room for one this year. But That's I want true. I want how it smells. Especially now that the corner is your work desk. It has to be. I'm sorry. It's okay. We'll set up our nice little fake one that we've had the last couple of years and put up our Christmas lights and have our, have ourselves a, a festive old time. It's not the, the same. last. I think it was at least the last year we were in Alaska. It might have been the last two years. We One year we waited like way too long to actually put up the tree. And then the next year, I think we put the tree up super early and then just never got around to decorating it. And it was the most depressing thing ever. Just having this bare, fake pine tree sitting in your living room for no reason. (laughs) I don't even know if I want to put ours up this year because we're not even going to be here for Christmas. Yeah, so... Okay. Yeah, ours is in a like. That doesn't mean we still can't enjoy it well into January because we're too lazy to take it down. <laughs> our, when do we take ours down this year? Like February second or something? I mean, I leave the Christmas lights up until they just burn out, and I just buy another <laughs> like ten dollars string and the next year. Call it good. It's true, but that's because we we have nice little hooks for them above our window, yeah. so we and just it's leave a nice, them up. I like the colors. I like aspects of Christmas. I know I was like ragging on Christmas earlier. I like aspects of Christmas. I like the color it brings to our apartment. You like decorating the tree. You like Lizzie's heart's growing three three times its size or whatever the whatever the rhyme is. I haven't watched Grinch. You go to the hospital for that. (laughs) Yikes! We call that a medical condition. There we go. Aw, the Christmas episode is saved. God, what a schmaltzy saccharine bullshit sweet Ugh, i hate it okay so do we want to do quick episode takes yes my thought is if we took that first third of the episode out it would have been fine i mean my second least to least favorite moment happened halfway through the episode so (laughs) it's a mess like from beginning to end i I feel like there's there's so much wrong with this episode that i feel like you would need a whole other episode just to really dig into why and how like it's to, it, how you would go about fixing it like because there there are parts that you just have to take out wholesale like there's there's parts that are there are there is no saving you would just have to fix them and replace them with something else and then you have other parts like this like the end here where it's like the ending doesn't really make sense like it's it's just overly schmaltzy christmas schlock for the sake of it you know like you you mean to tell me that after the events of today, Jeannie's take home message is these people are my family? Ooh. I don't think so. Like I don't think that's the take home message here. I think that might be what Hallmark would like you to believe. But like, oh, dude, like they literally conducted almost a witch hunt for you mere hours ago, and now all of a sudden it's like, well, this, these are my family. Fuck off! Like this is just mm, yeah. There's there's a Daniel- there's a whole bunch wrong with this episode. Thank you for saying that because I got so sucked into the Hallmark moment that I didn't even put two and two together. Yeah, like it's it's mm, there's just there there's a lot to unpack with this episode, and th- there are not that's not to say that there are not good moments in it. I would say that there is probably out of the forty two or ish minutes of screen time here, I would say you have probably ten to twelve that are worth saving. I think that's a fair assessment. That's about twenty five percent. Yeah, out of, out of and all, all of them, almost all of them would involve Gloria Rubin. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, yeah. Uh, once again, Gloria Rubin carrying the load here. But the other seventy five percent, at the very least, or at the very best, it is dispensable. Like it could just as easily stay or go. But then there's other parts that just need to go wholesale. So it, it's it's definitely the worst episode of the season, and it's a contender for one of the worst episodes of the show to this point. <laughs> Um, 
I'm just, um. I had some real deep thoughts about this when we watched the episode the other day, and I'm having trouble articulating them into words now. So just um. Yeah, it's uh, like I feel like I can feel my my feelings about the Charlie Charlie storyline warping in real time. If that makes sense, I I I just nobody bats an eye. As she's screaming this. No, yeah, that yeah, that is very striking. That like nobody, nobody says, even looks huh. up. No, like a couple guys look at her like, oh, that's weird. She's yelling, but like nobody thinks to get security. Nobody thinks to even potentially check if these allegations may be true. Yeah. They're just like, oh, look at this little rap scallion street urchin screaming and causing a scene. Like, go sweep a chimney. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Like okay. when when I was a when I was a kid, I remember always being told like, oh, you know, if you're ever kidnapped or if something ever happens, yell and make a scene, and it's like, okay, clearly that doesn't fucking work. In a hospital full yeah, I, of caretakers, I, and apparently, and apparently lawyers, and apparently so. lawyers. Uh, and then, quick little scene of uh, Carrie and Wendy driving in a golf cart <laughs> alongside Jean. Where do you get a golf cart? At this part of it, in, in this part of the city, at this time of night, where do you have a golf cart? Localized entirely within I mean, County General Hospital. Yes. I mean, some some hospitals have them for like um, equipment moving stuff. Yeah, but County General. I don't know. All right, so here's where I'm going to get real pedantic and stupid, and yes. <laughs> we love it. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll preface this by saying this is not Bulls tickets level of pedantic and stupid, um, but it is it is sort of like, so I'm a sucker for, um, especially like now, like you said, with the benefit of HD and and being able to pause and rewind and stuff. Like I'm a sucker for when we can see the strings show a little bit and we can see how the sausage gets made. Uh, and how they kind of have to compromise on certain things. And this was one of them. So we go right out of that scene with Benton and Carter where they're standing in front of the surgical, uh, I guess, scheduling desk. I don't know what you would call that area. Um, but they're standing in front of that talking. And then Benton walks off down a hallway and Carter goes in the opposite direction. And that's when he finds Gant's evaluation in the box. And they do this really tight close-up shot on Carter's face as he's reading the evaluation. And over his shoulder... Uh, in the background, it's out of focus, but it's it, it's you can clearly make out kind of the overall look of the the place. Um, there's a, a pair of double wooden dark wood doors over his shoulder at the end of the hallway, and this becomes important as we head into our next scene. So the very next scene is Doug talking to a guy uh, from Psych, and as Doug and the Psych doc walk through, you notice that they are walking through the exact same area that Carter and Benton just left, but in reverse. So everything has been flipped. So Carter and Benton walked up from the area that Carter departs in, where the double doors are that I mentioned. Um, Doug and the psych doc are coming out of the area that Benton left into. Hmm. So they pass by the surgical desk. Uh, They pass by, if you look behind them, you'll see a pair of double doors that lead to an operating room. They pass by those. And they continue down the hallway with the camera facing towards Doug and the psych doc. So you can't see where, what they're heading towards. And eventually the camera catches up or they catch up to the camera and the psych doc punches in on a keypad. that lets them into the uh, mental health ward. The mental health ward 
has, as I mentioned, a locked keypad door that is like a beige cream color. So it's not the dark wood double doors that Carter, uh, that you could see over Carter's shoulder when he uh, looked at Gant's evaluation. So what that all means is that the close-up of Carter looking at Gant's evaluation was filmed somewhere else than the Carter and Benton two-shot from earlier, uh, and then they just spliced it in there. And the um, and that they reused the surgical floor to also double as the mental health ward, which I watched this episode with Nurse Jen, and I was like, would they ever put a hospital, would they ever put the surgical ward and the mental health ward on the exact same floor? And she was like, barring some sort of really crazy extenuating circumstance where like space was at an absolute premium, she's like, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. The mental health ward and the surgical floor would not be on the same floor. So I wish I could say that was the end of my pedantic shit for this episode, but it's not. But (laughs) but that's certainly the biggest one. I love the pedantic shit. Give me more. Feed it to me. Because I, I never would have noticed that. Nope. Yeah, if you go back and look, it's it's you know, it's sort of clear. It's certainly it it certainly shouldn't be clear to anyone with a functioning brain who's watching this like a normal person. But if you're doing it like me and pausing and rewinding ten times, uh, you'll see stuff like that. But it's, it's pandemic. We'll allow it. So then we go out of there into it. This is spoilers. This is my second big pedantic thing of the episode that only I would notice. But uh, we right. we go out of this. We go out of this into a quick, a very quick, very nothing scene of Doug and Mark talking in the lounge, and Mark is uh, or uh, Doug is is getting some stuff out of his locker. He's leaving, and so technical note that I had noticed. Calling back to uh, last call, which was episode four of the season. Uh, this is episode eleven. So we're within seven episodes. Uh, Doug's episode 12 this is episode 12 sorry so eight episodes so technical note Doug's locker has shifted over several spots to the left since last call which I I assume was a framing device or a framing issue Um, so if you will recall in episode uh, four last call there's a scene where Doug is changing at his locker and uh, Mark comes in to confront him about his bringing in his date who died and you know all that and they have a, a nice interaction there. In that scene, the camera is positioned inside of the locker, looking out towards Doug. And you can see over his shoulder the door to the lounge uh, where Mark comes in through and, and um, you know, talks to him. Uh, so now Mark's or uh, Doug's locker is directly across from the – I can't tell if it's a cigarette machine or an ice machine, but it's it's directly – Why not both? Yeah, it's directly across from where his – so his locker has moved further in towards the wall uh, away from the um, uh, away from the door. So and but his name is on the if you look at the the uh, name tag on the locker door, it still says Ross. So it's not that he's using a different locker or that he's <laughs> he's, you know, Bogart and somebody else's locker. Um, so I think it, what it was was just that in episode four, they just wanted the cool shot of looking out from the locker and Mark coming into the room. So they just moved Doug's locker down like three or four and then moved it back. So, again, one of those things that only I would notice and only I would care about. But I noticed it. Daniel, so I'm telling we love you. you. And this is why this is why we have you. This is great. <laughs> and then we go over to our next audio clip after that. Uh, you know, Dr. Fisher is one of those people. I just want him to narrate my life. I love his voice so much. And we're going to play some of it for you. Him and Jeannie are studying the test results on the, per- on the possible Ebola patient. 
Take a shot? Sure. You know what you're looking for? They have hoop-shaped rings, like Saturn. Exactly. You like astronomy. Well, my fifth grade science project was on comets, so I'm pretty much an expert. You must be excited about the appearance of Hale-Bopp. It's a comet that was just discovered. Just started to brighten this month. Do you have your own telescope? Careful. So you're going to be starting a whole new set of useless facts. <laughs> I thought about getting my own telescope once, but can you see much with the city lights? You should join me for a comet watch. I usually set up outside the Adler. Yeah, I'd love to sometime. How about tonight? It's supposed to be crystal clear, but bundle up at four like there's a chilly wind coming off the lake. 4 a.m.? It's only visible in the pre-dawn sky. Mm. Hey, wait, look, I think I found some. Take a look. Am I right? They have rings, more than one? Yeah, that's it. The asexual form of the parasite. It's plain old malaria. Good news for Mr. Heck. Chloroquinine, 10 milligram IV, followed by a 15 milligram drip. Okay. Hey, you know, I'm usually awake at 4 a.m. anyway. I'll bring the coffee. Great. Oh, I bet you kids at home didn't know the 44th president of the United States made an appearance on ER for six episodes in 1997, but here we are. <laughs> okay, I have to tell you this. So we're listening to this clip, enjoying it, and Lizzie has our Zoom call in the background, so I'm only seeing our notes up. And all of a sudden in the background, I just hear, it's Obama! <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, which one of us is watching a freaking youtube video while we're supposed to be recording it's especially bad and and then i hear it again followed by daniel's giggling and i'm like oh okay it's us and we all oh i can't handle it it was bad enough when i was watching it but like now that i all i can do is just like close my eyes and listen to it it's all he sounds exactly like him i'd never put the sound together until you screamed it on that clip and now i can't get it out of my ears my gosh I needed that. My face hurts. Oh, you've just had a lot of good laughs today. It's been a great day for for content giggles. So bomb. <laughs> That's what got me was the, was the scream. Oh, okay. Um. And who doesn't love astronomy? I was about to make it a joke, but that was astrology, not astronomy. Yeah, was so it wasn't gonna work. Astronomy. Astronomy. No stars and shit. <laughs> a, a, a uniquely on-brand Lauren moment can, can like, flawlessly uh, illustrate the difference between sympathy and empathy, but struggles with the difference between astronomy and astrology. Like, 100% Lauren brand moment. Stop! <laughs> uh, I didn't get my nap today. <laughs> She's all cranky. It's fine, folks. Oh. <laughs> Jesus, and it's my turn next. Hold on, I gotta get my life together. I'm like fucking giggle drunk over here. Yeah, like if they say that looks could kill, Benton would have been a nuclear explosion at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then uh, Mr. Gant Sr. here is uh, another kind of, oh hey, it's that person, uh, actor, played by an actor named John Cothran who, uh, boy, did I struggle with these uh, credits in my notes here. Uh, What's even funnier is that I struggled with this particular name on my version of the notes and then made a corrected that error only to make a different error when putting it into our notes, our collective notes. You pulled a Lauren. I did, yeah, because he appears in movies like Yes Man and Rango and additionally what I wrote in my original notes as Blake Snake Moan. And I then corrected it to Black Snack Moan. So 
<laughs> I like Black Snake Moan. Black Snake Moan is the name of the movie. How do we feel about that advice? I agree that it's frightening. He's got that down to a science. Yeah. Like he has, it's clearly not the first time he's done that. First of all, the Chinese finger trap analogy. I'm just trying to imagine like a woman falling off of George Clooney, like a used condom. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, you know, just relax and they just kind of fall off like that. That's really where my mind went. All right. Everybody had used condom on their STT bingo card this week. (laughs) Our long national nightmare is over, gang. (laughs) And he didn't have the goatee at all for it. Yeah. I I could have sworn that this was I could have sworn this was during his goatee phase, but this is this is the only part I remembered about this episode going into it. And And the only part worth remembering going out of it. It's the exact same lines as Doug was saying. Also, I need to point out, the goatee may not be there, but Mark, that turtleneck is hideous. You kind of went to bat for the turtleneck a little bit. The turtleneck blazer combo? That was fine. But when it's the turtleneck with the scrubs and the doctor coat. He looks like oh. he looks kind of like middle-aged Spider-Man with his mask off. <laughs> a little bit. So yeah, here <laughs> when it's when it's later in the bar, fine. But here, nah, not nah, fam. Um, that was short-lived. But R.I.P. to Mark and Shuni. We didn't we didn't even give them a shit pair. It was so short-lived. Yeah, I knew it was. I could have sworn <laughs> I could have sworn it went on longer than three episodes though, from the fuck to the oh, yeah. to the breakup. My brain just went chark. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, so ugh. then, you were the chosen one. You're Obama. <laughs> look here, Obama. Look alike in your your bullshit about your physician assistant. You're supposed to assist me. Well, currently her license is under the ER attending, not yours. You are the consultant. You can fuck off. Clearly, we've struck a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. This guy did. Obama did, yeah. <laughs> Show me on Obama where he hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm glad that was a short enough clip that I didn't make the It's Obama connection in the middle of it, or I would have just lost my shit. So then we go right out of that into the intro. More bangs. 14 for 14 on the bangs, I believe, (gasps) this season. Yep. Twinkles found dead in a ditch. Uh, (laughs) Go. I did want, I I just was, I wanted some comfort media. So I was watching some random episodes, like later later season episodes. And the season seven premiere, I'm happy to report. I'm, see, I know they're there. It's it, it's not a, any lack of confidence on my part. It's just it's surprising to me how one sided it is, especially in these early seasons. I'm really enjoying that Lizzie is going and watching these like later episodes because in the back, like in the background of my work, I can just listen to them, kind of know what's going on, and she's like, "This is nice." Yeah, just trauma happening in the background. I'm doing my accounting. Everything's great. <laughs> oh, Romano's losing an arm. Malucci's well, getting fired. <laughs> Background trauma is always the best trauma. Uh, But we come out of the intro into Mark and Doug talking at the Roach Coach. Mark asking for advice on how to handle his uh, two simultaneous lady friends. Uh, Decides that he's going to reschedule with Polly and go with Heather to the Bulls game. Because let's be honest, it's 1997. If you have a chance to go to a Bulls game, go to the fucking Bulls game. 
Mm-hmm. Not oh, with so- your dad. Oh, because the tickets are to the wrong game anyway, so. There it is. Okay, bye. So I, I'm not, I'm no longer fluent. I, I never was really fluent, but there was a time where I was almost fluent in Spanish. So I can still pick up bits and pieces of this conversation, especially out of through context clues. Um, and the main gist of it is that towards the end, she tells Wendy that basically all Mark wants to do is fuck. Like that's, <laughs> that's literally the whole conversation is like, is that Mark is a sex machine. And uh, Chuni put a quarter in. It was that the was that the colloquialism from season two with with Doug. Yes, that was the colloquialism. <laughs> yeah. Sex machine and just want to put a quarter. Mark, in. Mark Green is a sex machine, and Chuni put a quarter in. Chuni emptied her whole freaking coin purse. It sounds like. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. Yeah, you're welcome for that, listeners. Uh, we er, so yeah, and then like. The ball is dropped. Mark has failed. Mark, was that a decent enough play-by-play? I play? think you nailed it. Yeah. Mark, yeah. Mark, as soon as it all starts to fall apart, like Mark just wants to be that gif of the guy who does the peace sign and then fades away because he yes. has no, like... There's no recourse. Yeah, he, there's no way out of this. Hold the fuck up. Did you just say gif? Yeah, soft G gang over here. The, the creator of the word says it's a soft G. And well, that's about all the time we have left here for folks. <laughs> Show's over. Uh, Shut it down. The, this is the series finale of saying the tone. Yeah, retrospective. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm gonna, I'm going to have to side with. with that's fine. I don't one. care. Jake Terrell will be on your side as well. He's been upset about this since we were like 14. Well, but to be fair, I have to yell at Jake about trains. So no, it's hey, you know what? Let the man. He has experience. Let's just gently encourage him to ride America's rails once again. Soft G gang over here. That sounded dirtier coming out of my mouth than it did in my head. <laughs> You're fine. Oh. Sorry, uh, Jake. Oh, boy. Uh, shocked that Carter is going to be doing the embolectomy procedure. And we see Benton. Wa- this this is, you were right, um, Lauren. This is where we see Benton walking the students through the Portacath procedure in a very droll, very dry manner, which is just... A plus work from Eric LaSalle. Very, very good uh, comedic stuff from him here. And he finds out Carter is going to be doing a fancy surgery in the other room. And he does the best, like, Russell Crowe with a pirate hat on look. Yes. Of, like, <laughs> looking through the window. <laughs> like, I was just trying to think of what meme made the most sense for that. And you nailed it's it. so. Because like, I. What am I missing out on? I was going to reference one, but this will only make sense to Lizzie and I. Tilly through the, through yes. the annex window. Yes. Kitten Academy. On YouTube, guys, go check it out if you need a ray of sunshine, please. Yeah, just Benton, just like. I love how they both just own up to the shitty day they've had, yeah. and just like, ah, oh, fuck, we messed up. Fine, couple of doctors, we are. <laughs> I want you all. So I want good. the audience to know that I tried very, very hard to be pedantic and stupid about this, and tried very hard to like look at the screen and figure out who they, who the Bulls were playing, and whether or not it was historically accurate <laughs> to February of 1997 but uh, you'll be happy to know that I was not able to figure out what team they were playing because they never showed the score and they do show a brief close-up of the back of one of the players opponents backs but it, it all I could see was that it was a blue jersey I couldn't read the name but 
Kobe the Pistons. You didn't, you didn't bother to look up every single team in 1997 that was wearing blue you jerseys know, to figure it, this one it, out. It was an off week. You know, it could have been, it could have been the Knicks. It could have been the Pistons. The Warriors wore he blue hasn't, uniforms back then. Like I, he, he hasn't hit that level of unemployment yet. That's it. <laughs> that's that's at a year of unemployment. Yeah, exactly. That's at... that's months like ten to twelve is when we hit that circle. Okay. Cool. So like early season four. Yeah. It's oh, it's cool. coming. <laughs> just just wait until we get to the live episode to start season four, and they're actually oh. uh, in the episode watching the Cubs game that is happening live as they're filming the episode. Like, wait until we get to that level of stupid. Patreon.com is last saying the tone podcast. <laughs> Uh, then we have Jeannie and Greg are going out to their fancy evening. They are going to the opera after all. And Jeannie just says, you know, you don't have to prove anything to me and asks if they can actually slow things down. So although they shared a great kiss earlier after he propositioned her for sex, she's like, actually, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe we, maybe we step it down a little Jesus. bit. I'm not ready for this yet. He did. He did. Quite literally. He did. Yeah, no, he very much did. He was very blunt about it. And, and very in, in sweet. A, yeah, in a very sweet but way about he it. he legitimately but... proposed sex to her. So, like, yeah. me saying he propositioned her for sex is actually accurate. But, yeah, she's just like, nah, fam, let's let's actually slow this down. I'm scared. But Sounds yeah. cheap. That's all. <laughs> I don't know. Not from Greg, it doesn't. That's that's fair. He is a beautiful man. So, Obama. Um, <laughs> Thank you to everybody who reached out about that clip, by the way. Daniel, if you cut this, this is fine. But thank you. All the feedback on that one stupid section of that episode made my day. I've never actually had stitches either, but just the concept of them horrifies me. Because you're just sewing flesh back together? Yep. (laughs) There's an image for you folks on a Thursday morning. I wasn't psyched to watch it when I got mine. I'll just say that. I, I get woozy when my blood is being drawn these days. I would not be able to watch Stitches. Yeah, blood being drawn is normal at this point because for hormone checkups, I get it done at least four times a year. Um, and tattoos or whatever. But Yeah, for some but, reason I can watch tattoos and be fine. Because there's art to be done <laughs> with, with yeah. the tattoos. Not like, a lot of tattoos. God like, damn it. Ooh, you're coloring me. Neat. Fuck you, COVID. <sighs> One day. Patrons, Lizzie will get an ER tattoo. If no, you, I won't. <laughs> no. No, I will not. I might get an Thank ER you. tattoo if you remember, give us enough money. My, remember those my next Team one Jerry either, stickers? My, Lizzie will get one. I will, get, no, I, will I, I will get Team Jerry as a tramp stamp if one of you gives me $1,000. Wow, stretch, stretch goal on Patreon. $1,000 no, a month, and Lauren will get a Team Jerry yeah, tramp stamp. Yeah, not $1,000. It's got to be $1,000 a month for a year, and I will get a Team Jerry <laughs> tramp stamp in full color. No regrets. Patreon.com slash Diana's Home Podcast. Get on it. We go from there back out to the ambulance bay where uh, Mark, Doug, and Carter are having their rematch. And Malik comes out and Mark goes up to him to try to get him to join in the game. And, you know, Mark, Mark selects the end of the after school special ending as he owns up to his bullshit and solves racism forever. And then they all hug it out over basketball and every- we're done here, folks. Yep, That's fine. We did it. We did it, gang. We saw racism will never be brought up in the show ever again. We, we did it. Yeah, that one doesn't make sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't really. I that's mean, that's like me with independent. Or I know. Status. I know. That's like me projecting all the fat phobia onto these scenes when you guys have to call me out and be like, nah, they're not really doing that. Yeah, I didn't say it made sense. I'm just saying that's where my brain went initially. 
And I was like, no, she's just a prick. Also, Lizzie, don't let me do this to myself when I sit for my CPA exam. Yeah. Don't, don't let me become Carol. See, the thing is, I don't even need to have take a test to call myself stupid. That's just my general state of being. Uh, Lauren, tell them how right I am. You're not. We're both going to shit on you and tell you you're wrong and you're brilliant, so. No, I'm saying, like, that that's my thing, is, is. Yes, okay, Lizzie is very. Beating myself up over As, as you may have things. heard on our show, Lizzie is very often rude to themselves and shouldn't be. Daniel, what you drinking? Uh, alcohol. What kind? It's called ODB. Cool. Blacklist Brewing Company, Duluth, Minnesota. One delicious, sponsor. one delicious beer. Oh, bless you for where that's your where where your brain goes when you hear the initials <laughs> ODB. That's big mom energy if I've ever heard it right there. Oh, old one dirty delicious ba- beer. Old that's dirty so bastard. Nice. Isn't that special? Lauren is church lady incarnate. <laughs> See, I was going to cut all that out, but now but now it's too no. good. Now I have to leave it in. We got to keep it. I'm crying. <laughs> Isn't that special? It, I want to say my brain wants to say blender, but that blender, but I mean, I mean with that's the how Illinois Yeah, with the <clears throat> Illinois accent, you can get away with it. I don't have an Illinois accent. You do. Yeah, what? Yeah. You just said Illinois. You do. What? You, you just said Illinois with an E. You do. It, that's how you say it. No, it's Illinois. No, it's Illinois. No, it's Illinois. Midwest here. You do. <laughs> Since when? Always. It's not as pronounced as Irv, but you do have one. This is news to me. Say Milk. Milk. Okay, milk's not as bad, but you definitely, you definitely, <laughs> pillow. I'm weird. <laughs> You're not weird, but I'm just checking because these are the easy ones. Pillow. Eh, not a, it's mild, but you do have one. I have my Michigan accent. Well, accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but but yes, you you have a mild Illinois accent. No, I have I'm really a self-conscious pr- about I, it. No, I have a pronounced Michigan accent. How? It's it's Illinois. Illinois. It's Illinois. Yeah, that's Il, what I said. Il. It's Illinois. Yeah, that's what I said. So after that, uh, Nina Pomerantz, our everyone's favorite psychiatry person. God, I'm glad we have her instead of Dr. D- Dr. Dickhead. Yep. Yeah. Just good. good the first good time I thought of him. Yeah. First time I thought of him in a while. Um, everyone go watch Twister. And oh, cause she's in that. I thought yeah. I was thinking um, <laughs> Dr. Dickhead for a minute, no. and I was like, who did he play in Twister? He no, was she's the twister. A... Yeah. <laughs> of emotional distress. <laughs> he... He's specifically the wa- the the water spout that splits into two things. Men would wait, wait, wait. Men would rather become a twister than go to therapy. Jesus Christ. It's true. Especially white He's men. The one just We'd rather become cows. a natural disaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're never gonna get through this episode, guys. We really aren't. Um, but she's coming down for uh, Ida, Bl- Ida. I still want, my brain wants to say blender like a. That's like how a they pronounce it. Blender. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that is how they pronounce okay. it. Okay. Uh, the blender lady. The show has no little accent. <clears throat> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's Illinois. I'm telling you, folks. I'm telling you. Okay. 
Like and subscribe if you agree with me. That's Illinois. Not Il- Illinois just sounds weird. Okay. No. Um, License to Illinois. <laughs> this is the first time, like we said earlier, this is the first time we've recorded in three weeks, so we're all a little goofy. <laughs> All right, what's uh, Ida doing? What's what's Miss Blinder? Doing? Uh she is uh eating things. Eating things she shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> eating things. That's she is. She ate all the tools of the she ate all the surgical tools that were placed next to her bed. Oh god. Peter's about to give up and all of a sudden Carla runs down in her like nightgown and says that he could come by Saturday morning to help out around the house. And I just want to know, why didn't she just say that over the buzzer? It's more dramatic like, this way. I understand that, <laughs> but still, like, they were having a conversation. Why not just tell him there? He's standing at the buzzer already. You've just been talking to him. It's not like he's walked away. I got beef. Good thing I'm a vegetarian. Okay, 303. <laughs> God. Fucking reference from 2009, off the top rope. Like, who who asked hey, for this? We talked about AOL Messenger today, so, you know, yeah, whatever. But, but AOL Messenger had cultural significance for a minute. So did that song. We don't speak of that. Lauren's singing it. She's not speaking of it. Thank God there aren't <laughs> yeah, copyright strikes on podcasts. Good thing you're going to delete that whole little... No, no, no you are. You are. There's not much I make you delete out of this podcast, Daniel, but if you want to co-host ever again, if you only, are. If only you did quality assurance checks on any well, of these. Well, I might have to for this one. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Listeners, get... hold on. If Daniel kept that in, you can delete this part and I'm still fucked, but if Daniel kept that in, tell me and I'll kill him. Yeah. She's level level ten sucks in this episode. She is awful. Yeah. And the most offensive thing of this entire scene is the fact that uh, her pasta is cooked al dente, uh, which basically is Italian for undercooked. Like it's like firm to the bite. Is the is this what we're gonna do? We're gonna fight. You cook it until it's done cooked. Like it's till it it's what. Is it? No, you un- I'll say you undercook it a little bit so that way it as it the carryover heat as you're saucing it and what? preparing it carryover heat cooks a, thing? A little, cooks a little more and then it comes a- out perfect. No, this is a Lizzie's no, this is a Lizzie's Italian this, thing. I feel yeah. like this is a Chicago because we've established through the group chat that Chicago is just the like dumbest version of every food item. Like it's like how weird can we make every single food item? Hot dogs, pizza. Like- wow. <laughs> We we are never treating you to Manny's ever again. Wow. Stay in Minnesota. I say this from the bottom of my soul. <laughs> Fuck you. Can we get can we get Chicago dogs this weekend? Absolutely, we can get right. Notice, Chicago dogs. Fuck you, Daniel. They were the worst version of anything. I just said they were the weirdest. Like no, you said well, stupidest. stupidest. Yeah, stupidest, you said weirdest. the stupidest. It's ten to six yeah. to one half dozen the other. No, there's we're, a difference there. We're going to send you so many pictures of us That's eating fine. our delicious Chicago dogs this weekend. What was it that Jake said? Um, it's a salad, salad on with a bread bun. holders. It's, yeah, it's salad on a bun. Oh, it's so good. I I, he didn't even know what a Chicago dog was. But, but no, I'll put it this way. As far as cooking pasta in this household goes, I just let Lizzie do it because I know if I do it any other way, they're going to be like, this is not right. So I just let Lizzie cook our pasta. If we're eating it together. <laughs> yes. Um, 
You can commit all the pasta atrocities you want. and I commit lots of kitchen atrocities that I don't make you eat. That's true. Going back to something a little bit earlier, I think it's weird that you, that you refer to her as Anna. Because, like, I just think Dr. Delamico is such a fun name to say. Yeah, you also you, yeah. you also judged me for calling Dr. Keaton Abby. Well, that's because there's another okay, Abby. That's like another problem. Yeah, that's Abby. because there's another major Abby. So I'm also lazy, and it's less <laughs> syllables to say Anna. So fair enough. For the sake I'm of efficiency, saying, it's just a little. I don't know. It's a fun name to say. So would you like me to try it? No. Yeah, sure. Doctor Delamico. Nope. I prefer Anna. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Point taken. All right. Well, moving on in the episode, Jeannie and Al are making out the kitchen. Gross. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't know what a French press is. Too soon. And- too soon <laughs> refer to go back and refer to lounge episode one in the free feed if you would like that reference to make sense but too soon just we'll leave it at this that. one is uh not shattered why was that not the first one that came to mind i don't know is, is he even in burn after reading yeah i don't know i've never i've seen you don't like that it. movie it's fine whatever it's not part of it he builds it. the dildo chair for um <laughs> For Fargo what lady, whose name is escaping me right uh, now. Francis McDormand? Yeah, Francis yes. McDormand. <sighs> I saw that in theaters with my parents. That was that was an adventure. Mm-hmm. You know what you were filled with that day? Regret. Yep. But it's such a good movie. I highly recommend it. Um, but no, Oh Brother Where Art Thou is also a great one. For the longest time, I thought that was actually them singing. Okay, so now, now okay. Random question. I have to ask. The yeah. dildo chair. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a chair made out of dildos, or is it a chair with a dildo, like, in the center? <laughs> like, you sit down on the dildo. Ugh. It's essentially the latter, but it's so much more than that that I just... Well, I'll put it this way. When everybody was in the... Everybody's in the theater, and the character that he's playing goes, I got, yeah. a, I got a surprise for you. And he unveils it, and then he pushes the chair, and like the rocking chair mechanism starts, and and we need to cut this whole thing because we're saying dildo far too many no, times. Don't. I'm so it's sorry, fine. listeners. But we rate the, these episodes explicit for a reason. But the the tool in question like comes up and down between a like a space in the legs of the chair. Oh, okay. And so I'm like, the, the, oh, okay. I get it now. <laughs> so, but but I it's, can visualize it. But now. it's so funny because in that theater. Like, nobody's seen this before. We don't know what's coming. It's a Coen Brothers movie. And all of a sudden, the chair's going, and all you hear is this creaking of this homemade just death trap device, and the audience just awkwardly shuffling (laughs) as we all, like, experience the shock together of what a fucking idiot George Clooney's character is. Because we've seen him, so he's like a retired CIA guy or whatever, and we've seen him down in the basement working really hard on stuff, and we think it's, like, for, like weapons or or like spy equipment and then this is what he unveils <laughs> please man's gotta have hobbies i i need i need to um exist for a second after having to explain that mm-hmm.